Good morning, folks. Thank you, Gethin. That was amazing. The reading today is taken from Acts 2, verses 22 to 41. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your holy one see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. 
Good morning. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for reading uh, for us then, uh, bringing those words to life as well. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to start before we pray by thanking you all for your welcome, uh, particularly those of you who were there on Wednesday. Uh, what a great evening it was. And um, I put on Facebook, actually, and, and share this with a number of friends, that it felt like we were family together that we had people joining us from Kettering uh, for the evening. I'd got friends from elsewhere as well, and, and people here too. That although we're from different places, there was a sense of shared DNA, a sense of sort of, we are in this together, we are family together, uh, we are um, partners in the gospel. And uh, there was a lovely sense of that for me. Um, so today um, is not only my first Sunday, but it's already been mentioned, it's also Trinity Sunday. And um, so we're going to focus this morning on the person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Last week, as we've just been reminded, was Pentecost Sunday, and I know you read the words before the ones that we've just heard, um, those quoting uh, words from Joel. And I will refer to those a little bit. So um, it's worth having a copy of the Bible in front of you, whether that's uh, in paper form or tablet form or phone form phone form, never said that phrase before. Um, So do have that in front of you because it's always important, isn't it, to just check what the person at the front says, just to make sure that I'm not making things up and I'm not trying to take you along a dodgy path and all that sort of stuff. So do have that in front of you. Let's, uh, before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, want to thank you uh, for your word And we thank you um, for the gift of your spirit. We thank you for those words that we've just sung. That it started with a whisper. And we pray this morning as we um, look at your word, that you would be whispering your words to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So what I love about this passage is that this is the first sermon recorded in the New Testament that is not from Jesus. And I have to say, I love the fact that it's Peter who uh, preaches here. He's the first person, the first person other than Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And I love that it's Peter because it reminds me that there's hope for all of us. Now think about how Peter had a journey. I know some of us are a little bit like, oh, I don't like the word journey because it makes us think of X Factor and things like that. But the word journey here is really appropriate, I think, for Peter. You know, Peter uh, walked on water, didn't he? He, um, he proclaimed who Jesus was, but then he denied Jesus. He denied knowing Jesus three times, not just once, three times. And then, of course, we know that Jesus uh, reinstated him after he rose again. And I love that Peter preaches this sermon because it gives us an even more incredible sense that this is a powerful sermon. If we look right to the end of our reading this morning in verse 41, we find out that 3,000 were added to the number of those who follow Jesus that day. I don't know what I would do (laughs) if that happened this morning, although it would be awesome, wouldn't it? I was watching the Jubilee celebrations uh, last uh, Sunday afternoon, 
And I was seeing all of these crowds around. It was very British, wasn't it? I have to say, I'd really like one of those corgi puppets. They were so cute. Anyway, um, we saw all of these crowds of people. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be amazing if 3,000 of them or more came to faith that day? The crowds were there and they were listening and 3,000 of them came to faith. Through hearing Peter's words, that shows us the power of God's Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when we look, look at it, Peter didn't have a following. No, he hadn't trained as a great speaker. He was simply speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a reminder, isn't it, that, that none of us can do this on our own. We all need the Holy Spirit. Um, on Wednesday, um, Bishop Christopher shared the fact that my dad had gone up to him and told him that I'm a creative preacher. No pressure there then. <laughs> um, and actually, whether that's the case or not, I don't think, I can't do this on my own. I can only do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be the best communicators in the, word, in the world, but if we don't have the Spirit of God, it's just words. So what I want to do this morning is take you back to that first Pentecost, because context is always important when we're looking at Scripture. And uh, this passage that we've read this morning is part of Peter's sermon, but we need to know the context of that, which I know you looked at last week. But for a moment, just picture the scene of what was going on that morning. We've got this sort of chaotic scene where we've got signs and wonders happening. We've got lots of questions being asked. We've got a cacophony of sound, of all sorts of languages being spoken. And then, in verse 14 of um, the passage, just before ours, we're told that Peter, only recently reinstated by Jesus, of course, stands up, he clears his throat, and he raises his voice to address the crowd. And then he reads this passage from Joel. And then, of course, the bit that we've heard. He preaches on that passage. Peter raises his voice. That's very different from the man who, in fear and trembling, probably said, I don't know that man over there. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact is, whenever we step out to do anything from God, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in and through us. We cannot do it on our own. Um, you've already heard that I'm a musician, and um, a number of years ago, I played in orchestras as a violinist and quite often went on tour and things like that. And there was one particular tour I went on with some friends, and I ended up going out for dinner with uh, a couple of friends and the conversation turned around to my faith, and they started asking me questions about uh, my faith. And I was rubbish. I bombed big style. I just floundered. My answers were useless. Didn't do Jesus a good service that evening. And when I got home, I realized to myself, hang on a minute. I didn't really involve God in that conversation. I didn't ask God to help. I didn't, you know, send a prayer up or anything like that. I just tried to answer in my own strength. And I thought, I've lost it. I've got no opportunity again. But thankfully, the next night, I ended up going out for dinner with the same people. And so I remembered what I thought about. 
And as I started asking me questions, I went, Lord, please help me. Holy Spirit, just give me the words to say. And they weren't suddenly converted or anything like that, but I was able to answer far better than I did the night before. It wasn't that I had done any preparation. I hadn't thought about the answers I was going to give. I just asked God's Spirit to be in it. Peter hadn't woken up that morning and said, do you know what? I'm going to speak to thousands of people this morning. Let's get ready. Let's prepare. Not that, of course, preparation isn't important when you know what's coming. Let me just make that clear. But the preparation for Peter's sermon, well, it was the life that he led. It was the grace that he had received from Jesus. It was the things that he'd witnessed, the the walking that he had done with Jesus. And the fact is that when we walk with Jesus, we learn and we grow. So important, therefore, isn't it? That's the reason we spend time with him. So it's like Peter's life had prepared him for that sermon that morning. And maybe a question for you this morning is, what sermon does your life prepare you for? We are all walking, living sermons. Some of us do it from here, but we all do it in different ways. What sermon is your life preparing you for? And so in Peter's sermon, he refers to a couple of passages of Scripture um, from the Old Testament, especially, as I know you looked at last week, Joel 2, which we also had read at my licensing on Wednesday. That's a bit just before our reading. And it shows us the importance of Scripture, and it shows us the importance of uh, reading the New Testament through the lens of the old, recognizing how God is at work. So the first thing I want to bring out is that Peter um, reads this piece of Scripture that um, is the passage before ours this morning, and he uses it to say, this that you have experienced is that. This is that. All this that you see, all this that you've experienced is part of God's plan of salvation. Jesus came and died and rose again for you. He was a man, but he was also God. He did this for you. And although we didn't read it, I want to just use a couple of things that Joel said to help us this morning. One of the things he says is this. He says, in the last days. But if you look back to the Old Testament, it doesn't say in the last days. It says, and afterwards. Now, Peter hasn't got it wrong. He's not quoting uh, it wrong. You know, he has realized in the power of the Holy Spirit that as they were standing there, as he was standing there, they were in the last days. We, too, are in the last days. The start of Acts, we're reminded by Jesus, I will return. If you've done Alpha, you might have heard this description of the last days. It's a little bit like we've had VE Day, victory in Europe, and we're still waiting for VJ Day, victory in Japan. And it's like VE Day was a reminder that the war was over, but it didn't quite happen until VJ Day. And so we're in that season where the victory has been won by Jesus dying and rising again. And we're in those last days, but... Jesus hasn't returned yet. We're living in that time between one event and the next. 
So we are living in the confidence of the victory of Jesus. And we see glimpses of God's kingdom now, but we won't see it in all its fullness until Jesus returns. We're living in that tension of those last days. And boy, do we see some of those tensions around us at the moment. So Peter shows the crowds that they have seen and experienced what Joel had prophesied. And that was happening to them in the last days. Which, of course, that means that that's happening to us as well. We are in the last days. This is that, says Peter. Isn't that incredible when you start thinking about it like that? And then the next thing that Peter quotes from Joel 2, uh, which he also talks about in our reading as well, is this. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So he's saying that it was poured out, the Holy Spirit, he was poured out on all. Verse 39 says, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for all. So in that uh, first Pentecost, we see something new happening. Because until that first Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was only seen occasionally. It was a little bit like, where's it gone? This pipette. It was a little bit like occasionally... There's a bit of a Holy Spirit moment. Maybe on a particular prophet or a priest or a king. For example, if you look in Numbers 11, um, where Moses and the 70 elders uh, receive the Holy Spirit, Moses responds and says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. That's what, Peter sa- what uh, Moses says in Numbers 11. And what we see at Pentecost is Joel's prophecy being fulfilled. The Holy Spirit poured out on all, where young, old, male, female, Jew, non-Jew would prophesy, dream dreams, and see visions. For all who repent and are baptized, as Peter says in verse 38, I will pour out my spirit, says Jesus. And I love that image of the Spirit being poured out because it's a generous thing, isn't it? It's not a trickle. It's poured. There's a lovely uh, uh, phrase I found in a commentary that says this. There's a great difference in looking at a lake from a distance and being immersed in it. The picture of a pouring out of God's Spirit compels us to think about being soaked and saturated by God's Spirit. When I moved into my new house, I was really struggling with the shower. It was, let's put it like this, a trickle. And um, I was wondering how on earth I was going to cope. Uh, Particularly my friends who got really thick hair, I thought they're not going to be able to rinse their hair properly. That's the level of things when you move into a new house, isn't it? You find out all sorts of things. And so I um, contacted the diocese and they sent out a plumber. And the plumber showed me that there was a switch in a cupboard, which turned my little trickle of a shower into what can only be described as a power shower. I love saying that in a Northern Irish accent, power shower. Anyway, um, and um, it was amazing because it just, it just worked so much better. And so this morning I was able to have a proper shower and I felt clean and awake because there was actually power in it. It just needed a switch. Jesus coming and dying and rising again, in a sense, has put on a switch 
That means that his spirit is not just an occasional trickle on a few chosen people, but a pouring out on all his people. So no longer is it a pipette, but it's a pouring, a pouring out of his spirit. God pouring his spirit out on us means that we are soaked inside and out by God so that we are changed, we are filled with God, God drawing near to us by his spirit so that we can discover more and more of God's love, of his beauty, his power, his mercy, his grace, his truth, his holiness, his majesty, and so on and so on. What had been restricted and rare was now available, is now available to all. And I wonder this morning, do we restrict the work of the Holy Spirit? Do we make it rare? Peter is saying that what was going on is not beyond our reach. The Holy Spirit is available to all of us, not reserved for the spiritual elite. So whether you are male or female, young or old, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit... He is for you. You can dream dreams. You can see visions and so on and so forth. You don't need to pass an exam. You don't need to have been a Christian for a specific length of time. Nothing like that. And I want to make that point really clearly this morning. Because that small word, all, that Peter uses here is huge. The Holy Spirit is not a respecter of boundaries There are no boundaries. You don't need a theological degree. You don't need education. You don't need to have been a certain age. You don't have to come from a specific background. The Holy Spirit doesn't distinguish in any of those things. And he doesn't distinguish between age or gender or ethnicity or wealth. And really sadly, we can see that the church, and I mean the church in general, has desperately and sadly got that wrong on occasions. And we need to repent of that. Because this passage reminds us that any prejudice against ethnicity or gender or age or background is just not of God. The Holy Spirit was and is poured out on all. So I can say confidently that he is for you. You are part of this promise. Just think when those words were spoken by Joel and then uh, by Peter and then as Peter preached, God was thinking of you. This is a slightly old analogy in some ways now, how time moves on so quickly, but I think it's still important to say the Holy Spirit also doesn't need to give us a two-meter-wide berth. The impact of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that all of us Whoever we are will receive dreams and visions and can prophesy. How is the Holy Spirit at work in you at this time? Have you paid attention to those dreams and visions, those words or pictures that God has placed on your heart? Have you shared them with a trusted friend who can help you discern whether they are or not from God? Or maybe you've thought, well, that's not for me. God can't speak to me. God can't use me in this way. Well, it's pretty clear that that's not the case. The Holy Spirit is for you. And if he can use Peter and bring 3,000 people to Jesus, just think what he can do through you. 
as you leave this place later. Just think what God can do through you. What is it that Moses said in Numbers 11? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Well, that is now. So Peter was saying, this is that and this is for all. But why? Well, if you look at Joel's words, Joel reminds us of the day of the Lord, Jesus returning as judge. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The fact is that it is all about Jesus. You'll probably hear me say that a lot. That's one of my catchphrases. It's interesting, isn't it? Vicars do tend to have these sort of catchphrases, so listen out for them and please feel free to tell me them because um, it'd be interesting to know whether they're what I think they are. <laughs> they're probably not. But anyway, it's all about Jesus. And what we see in Peter's sermon here is the way that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, points to Jesus. That same person who talked about the lake goes on to say, and since the mouth is simply the pressure valve of the inner life, when the inner life is full of God, the mouth prophesies. Is that a great phrase? When the inner life is full of God, the mouth prophesies. Reminds me of uh, that passage when we're told about, you know, what goes, what's on, going on on the inside is what comes out. Of course, prophecy isn't just a prediction. Prophecy, as Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians, is there to build one another up, to give encouragements, to point people to Jesus, just as those at that first Pentecost did, speaking of the mighty works of God. And of course, it's seen here in Peter's sermon. Because here, in this sermon that we've read this morning, it's very clear that Peter speaks about Jesus about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, demonstrating to those listening that Jesus was the one spoken about in the Psalms, the one who would rise again, who would bring life and joy. There's so much about Jesus in this passage. The Spirit and leads and points to Jesus. So what do we hear in this? Well, the crowd says here that they are cut to the heart. What an image that is. It means they were convicted of sin. They, their consciences spoke to them. And they knew they had to respond. The Holy Spirit does that. And they say this, brothers, what shall we do? Because this news of Jesus needs a response. You know, we can't be indifferent to it. If you sit on the fence, you're just going to get a bit sore. So where are you in this? Let's face it, we've been living in really strange times, haven't we? Maybe there are those amongst us or joining us online who are still confused, frustrated, angry, hurt, excited by some things and challenged by others. Peter says a couple of things to us. Firstly, he says, repent and be baptized and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says, save yourself from this corrupt generation. That was 2,000 years ago. It's still the same today. Let's face it, we don't really have to look very far 
to see corruption, <laughs> to see the way that anything seems to go, to be cut to the heart even at what we see and hear. But the fact is, there is hope because this is that. And we too can respond in the ways that those did here as well. We can turn to Jesus. We can see and we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. A pouring, not a trickle. Peter says in this passage, Jesus did all he did for you. It was part of God's deliberate plan. Part of God's deliberate plan. Jesus came not as an accident. He died not as an accident. He rose again not as an accident, but because it was God's deliberate plan. On this Trinity Sunday, we see God the Father sending God the Son and leaving God the Spirit. He came as the one promised and he sent the one promised to us, his Spirit. All for you, for me, whoever we are. So maybe you find yourself wandering a bit over the last couple of years. Maybe you need to come to Jesus afresh. Maybe you need to repent and give your life once more to him. Or for the first time. Or maybe you need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is for you, not just everyone else. Or maybe today you are cut to the heart because you realize that you need to come to Jesus. You need Jesus. What about doing that today? Why wait? Amen. Can I encourage you, if you're able to stand, as we just think about how we might respond to that this morning. want to encourage you, it might be for you this morning that you need to uh, respond to God by coming afresh, by recommitting yourself to him once more. Or it might be that there are some here or joining us online who need to commit to Jesus for the very first time. So I'm just going to ask God by his spirit to come and to help us do that. And then we'll do something else after that. Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to us? Would you come and help us to uh, bring our lives before you? Come, Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you have that sense of needing to respond to Jesus afresh and to recommit to him, I encourage you to do something physical that might just be stepping forwards to say, I'm stepping into a new season. I am trusting you, Jesus. 
if you have a sense that that is something you need to do for the very first time. So I do encourage you to come forward at the end of the service and we'd be really happy to pray for you. But I want to encourage all of us that as we um, spend this time in God's presence, to ask God by his spirit to come and refill us. We know we leak. We know we need a fresh outpouring each day. So I encourage you, if you feel able and and comfortable doing so, you might want to just put your hands out in front of you to say, Lord, I am here. And we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. might be that there are some here who uh, want to do a little bit more than that and um, it might be right for you to step forward we're going to sing our final song in a moment but we've got a bit of time uh, so I do encourage you if you feel that that's right to uh, make a a special effort to walk forwards because actually when we do something physical it says something to God and it says something to ourselves as well So if that's you, you may want to come forward and we'd be really happy to pray a prayer of blessing. We won't do any more than that. And there'll be opportunity after the service and uh, continuing during the song as well to do that. So if that's you, I encourage you to, to come forward and we'd be really happy to pray a prayer of blessing over you this morning. Just as we were praying before the service, someone had a picture of an hourglass, one of those sands running down. And in the the picture, the sands were running really fast. It felt like things were just rushing by. Uh, And if that speaks to you, we'd really like to pray for you particularly. Uh, Some of us are in new seasons. I'm in a new season, and I'm going to just come and stand at the bottom now to receive some prayer as I share my vicaring with Eleanor. So whether it's coming back to faith in Jesus, whether it's a new season whether the hourglass situation speaks to you. Uh, Gethin and the band will start to play. If you'd like someone to pray with you, just come and stand forward and we'll worship together. Absolutely.